This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sikar on FM 94.1 The Voice. There are three things I want to unpack this morning. Number one is distortion. Number two is destruction. And number three is redemption. We're going to come in hot, baby. It's going to be great. Distortion of truth, the destruction of life, and the lack of redemption. And I'm titling this message, When Faith Cannot Be Found. Oh man, this is going to be great because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And as a believer, you can be sitting over, you're wondering, how can I please God? The Bible tells us you got to walk by faith and not by sight. And it's possible you're stuck in your tracks because you lack faith and faith cannot be found. And oftentimes when we go through life, when it seems like God cannot be found, there are certain things, there are certain aspects of life that goes missing. Hope is gone. Purpose is gone. And faith is gone. Look around you when your faith is shaken and you will find destruction. It makes you question, how can a good God allow something like this to happen? Look around you and there'll be distortion of truth to make sense of suffering. And look around you, there'll be hopelessness because it seems like there is no savior to save you from it. I'm gonna be talking about when faith cannot be found. Destruction, distortion, and redemption. Are you excited for this? One of the benefits of religion, one of the benefits of coming to church is that it gives meaning to our current existence and it builds hope for what is to come after this life like we spoke about this morning in our time of worship. But what do you do when your religion has stopped building hope and you are quickly losing your faith? What do you do when you've been a churchgoer all your life? I've spoken to people who've gone to Bible colleges, who have degrees, who've written thesis on the existence of God, unpack all the Psalms, in Bible college and don't believe in God because the religion stopped building them hope when they look at the reality around them. What do you do when you find yourself faithless? What do you do when you walk away from religion, you walk away from church and it still doesn't satisfy because you go out into the world and you see suffering and you see death and you see injustice. You see good people suffer and you find no relief. What do you do? You seem like taking faith away from Christianity, taking faith away from the church, taking faith away from the Bible, taking faith away from God and putting it into the world maybe will satisfy and still there is no hope. What do you do when you come back to church after all of that, but you find yourself in a church chair feeling guilty week after week after week because you're unable to live up to God's standards and you're stuck between the world and the church the world and the church and the world and the church and there's distortion and there's destruction and there seems to be no redemption and you are the one that's now losing your faith. Am I talking to anyone this morning? What do you do when there is no faith? The Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance, that certainty about what we do not see. I remember how I memorized it when I was a kid. Now faith is the evidence of what we hope for, the assurance of things not seen, or the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is confidence and evidence, confidence and assurance. And in between two of that, you walk in hope. Faith is an action. It's having confidence in what God has promised and what it compels you to do, that action is what faith is. But oftentimes as believers, we go through our lives lacking confidence because you dwindle down and your faith is worn. That's where we find Job. That's exactly where we find Job. He was doing well. It was great. And now his faith is dwindled down. His faith is nowhere to be found for him to build confidence and his hope is quickly fading. And to add insult to injury, his friends come along and their theology 
actually distorts the truth as they use the destruction around him to show him that he's lacking a redeemer. Job chapter 10 verse 2, we're going to be going through three chapters, but I'm going to do a better job than I did last week by the grace of God. Job chapter 10 verse 2, I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. God, why do you contend against me? That's where Job's faith is. Why are you after me, man? Why are you after me? It's like sitting in church and saying, I cannot live up to your standards. Why are you hurting me? Why are you ignoring me? Why are you breaking my bones? Job chapter 10 verse 5. Are your days as the days of man and your years as man's years that you seek out my iniquity and search for my sin? This is kind of like a picture of, you know, my children. I love it that they call me into the room to show me stuff. Parents of teenagers, I know you're jealous because your teenager's room has keep out mom on it. It's great when a child is young. He's like, Dad, come, 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 see what I did. I built a fort, I built a fort. It's so awesome. I'm like, you're going to kill your brother, man. Don't put that heavy fishbowl right on top of his head. You know, the blanket comes down, the bowl's going to come down, your brother's going to die. And he's like, really? That sounds great. Right? <laughs> but then as they grow older, fair chance, there's going to be a sign that says, stay out, keep out. And Job is saying, God, there was a time when I wanted you to come and take a look at my life and I want to show you the great things that, that I've done for you and how much I love you, my sacrifice. And now I'm like, keep out, stay out. My faith is dwindled, it's gone. It feels like you're looking at me like my friends see me. You're judging me now. And then he says, why don't you just kill me? His faith, first of all, he says, God, why are you against me? The second, he says, God, why are you constantly watching me like a policeman waiting to catch me? And third, he says, God, why don't you just kill me? In Job chapter 10 verse 18 he says Why did you bring me out from the womb Would that I had died before any eye had seen me You might not be in a place of desperation like Job is But please listen to me Every single person in this life We go through a time when we question God You might say oh no Joel no 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 I don't This is how we question God in our modern day Christianity You say things like I wonder what God is up to I'm sure he has a plan but I just wonder what he's up to Or you feel like Man, I really let myself down because you're too cowardly to say I let God down or God is upset with me. But you say, man, I let myself down. I should have known better. And that is all of us questioning, God, why are you doing this? God, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And I think, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think that oftentimes we don't experience the power of God because we lean into our own intellectual power. We don't experience healing because we depend on Medication, so much. Medications become your God. We don't expect God to intervene in our finances because we run around and take loans and we borrow from the world, from the heathens, instead of trusting the God who owns the universe. And we wonder, why doesn't God move in our churches anymore? It's because the church is in debt. No longer can the church say, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Oh, we have silver and gold. But the most important thing we've forgotten, we've forgotten Jesus. And Job, I love it that he's getting real with his Redeemer. He's getting real with God. Why was I born? Why are you coming after me? Why are you beating me down? God, you actually sound like my friends who are judgmental towards me. God, who are you? I want to tell you this before I start unpacking the three points for this morning of distortion, of destruction, and redemption. In any relationship, there has to be authenticity. Sure, they'll get under your skin, step on a few toes, but if you want a genuine relationship, there has to be authenticity. And if you want an intimate, authentic relationship with God, there has to be an authenticity when you're going through pain. We cannot just brush it off as, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's fine. 
but you really got to get into it and be like, God, why is this happening? God, what is your plan in this? God, I don't understand this. And only then will God speak to us and teach us. A.W. Tozer said, a man who doesn't expect God to speak will never hear him speak. Are you expecting him to speak to you this morning? Then let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open our spirits, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds. Now take away the clutter, take away the chatter, tear down the works of the enemy in the name of Jesus, break down the walls, break open stony hearts and bring back the hearts to flesh. Bring the dead back to life so that those who are sitting here, lackadaisical, who don't really care, like Lazarus in the tomb, will hear the voice of God saying, come forth! And the dead men and dead women will walk in this place in Jesus' name. And God's children, agree with me and say amen to that. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do. Number one, please write this down. Truth even when slightly distorted is a lie we're talking about distortion truth when slightly distorted is a lie what happens when we go through hard times is we we try to make sense of what's happening around us and when you cannot make sense of what's happening around us you begin to distort the truth and i'll tell you why it's because man likes to be in control man loves to know why bad things happen we try to to put these three virtues of god in tension He's omniscient, he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's all-loving. And we try to hold these three things in tension, but when things go contrary to what a loving God would do, we begin to distort the truth. And we wonder, maybe God is not all-loving. Or maybe God is all-loving, but he doesn't love me. And I'm here to tell you that Satan is a liar. (laughs) For God so loved the world, that's including you. He is all-loving. Or maybe we think that maybe God is all loving but maybe he's not all powerful and once again I want to tell you that Satan is a liar or maybe we think that maybe God is all loving and he's all powerful but maybe he doesn't know my situation and I know this for a fact because Satan lies to me and he says hey Joel God really does not know what you're walking through and that's why I love in the book of Hebrews it says we do not have a high priest who cannot feel what you feel he was tested in every way just like you but yet without sin he understands he knows he knows and here comes Bildad Bildad, my man, the second friend of Job, who's going to bring his theology, his, his you know, uh, understanding of why Job is suffering. And even though what he says is beautifully true, it's a distortion. It's a distortion. You see, a distortion is not just what you say, it's when you say it and to who you say it and for what you say it. You got to go back home and listen to this, okay? Or come here on a Wednesday night because it's important. The application of something that's true if it's applied for the wrong purpose is a lie if a person has a broken bone and you're treating his head you're not a doctor it's a lie and what Bildad is coming he's coming with good truths but his application is completely wrong and he distorts the truth which becomes a lie Bildad it says in um, Job chapter 8 verse 1 then Bildad the Shuhite can I be a little funny for a second okay who's the shortest man in the Bible we will think, come on, man, don't give away the punchline. No, it's, okay. no, it's all right, it's good. We oftentimes think Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, he climbed up on a sycamine tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? But then some people in America think it's Nehemiah because they don't say Nehemiah, they say Nehemiah, okay? But apparently it's Bildad, the shoe height, okay? He's not just knee high, he's shoe height. Hey, now you're going to remember Bildad. And it's theology that's only shoe height. Can we jump back into the word? Then Bill, you guys love this church, don't you? I love this church too. Then Bildad the shoe height answered and said, How long will you say these things and the words of your mouth be a great wind? How do you like this when you're suffering and you're struggling? And the pastor comes up to you and be like, When will you shut up, you windbag? 
<laughs> You're like, hey, man, I put up with you yelling and screaming. <laughs> I got windbag, really? Because see, Job was cursing the day he was born. And then Eliphaz comes with eloquence. Last week we saw him. Bill, Eliphaz was eloquent and brutal. Bildad is going to be just brutal and bold and brash. Job replies, and he says, Eliphaz, you're not even a friend. You have no fear of God because you don't care about your friend in need. And, and Bildad cannot shut his mouth anymore. He says, when are you going to shut up and the words of your mouth be a great wind? And then look at this question. Does God pervert justice? Or does the Almighty pervert the right? Now you tell me, does God pervert justice? Is God unjust or unjust? No, absolutely not. God does what is just and true. But you see, Bildad's theology is, if God is just and true, and he is all-loving, he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, and you're suffering, that means you are on his bad side. You did something wrong. God is loving and he would not let this happen to a person that actually loves him back. And so Job, your suffering is because of your own sin. Look at, look at what he says. It's kind of crazy. It says in verse 4, if your children, listen to this, if your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them into the hands of the transgressors. Recap real quick. Job had 10 children. All 10 of them were crushed under the roof falling on them and they died. And what Bildad is saying, when he says, if your children, it's not because of an uncertainty, it's because he's come to a conclusive evidence that it was a sin that brought their death on themselves. How sick is that? Now you and I know that it wasn't Job's sin. Do you remember that? It wasn't Job's sin. In fact, in Job chapter 1 verse 1, it says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. It wasn't the sin of Job that brought this punishment on him. So Bildad, he's distorting the truth, saying that if you're suffering, it's because of your sin. And if your children died, it's because of their sin. The Odyssey is a study of how can a good God allow bad things to happen. And we all have our versions of the Odyssey, of trying to make sense of how can a loving God let this happen. And when you cannot make sense of this, we turn to superstition. It's because man would rather feel like he's in power and in control, even if it's not true. And this is the truth. Mm -hmm. 